Hello and welcome to the Little Minds Big Ideas podcast with the Early Years Network. The weekly show, and I believe we are on week... Ten. ten. Yeah, big ten. Double digits, maybe. <laughs> Name. Big, the big ten. So, this week we are going to be talking all about technology in the early years. We are indeed. Ben has presented me with his podcast plan. And it is called Tech Top. Navigating the digital playground in early childhood. Tech tots. I never give my plans cool names. Just thought I'd just take that a little bit. Apologies as well. I've got a bit of a sniffle today. Emily's got the sniffles. Apologies. And to anyone watching on YouTube, I (laughs) apologise. So... Right, shall I give you a little introduction and then you can crack on? Go on, give me a little introduction. Do you, do you, me personally or the, or the podcast? Well, just the podcast. Oh, right, okay. So, in this episode, we are going to give a brief overview on technology and a focus on how technology impacts early childhood. Yep. Uh, and introducing the importance of balancing the advantages and the potential pitfalls for technology in yep. the early years. So, shall we start with the advantages? Of technology? I think I first of all just want to talk about technology as a whole. So before we get okay. before we go down this rabbit hole of technology in the early years, um, I think I wanted to kick off the conversation with just the concept of what technology is and the role it plays in early years. Because if you look at all the guidance that's out there and the and the EYFS, the actual framework of of how we should educate children in early years, it's actually become less and less as the role of technology hasn't it it's sort of come yeah. away from i mean i think they took it out entirely didn't they it used to sit in within understanding the world well it's interesting because in the actual eyfs when we look at understanding the world i've got the segment that it says yep. but i'd read that if that's okay with you ready the stage is yours Understanding the world involves guiding children to make sense of their physical world and their community. The frequency and range of children's personal experiences increases their knowledge and sense of the world around them, from visiting parks, libraries and museums to meeting important members of society, such as police officers, nurses and firefighters. In addition, listening to a broad selection of stories, non-fiction, rhymes and poems will foster their understanding of culturally, socially, technologically and ecologically diverse world, as well as building important knowledge that extends their their familiarity with worlds that support understanding across domains. Enriching and widening children's vocabulary will support later reading comprehension. Right. So that doesn't really mention technology anymore. No. Our early learning goals for understanding the world are broken down into past and present, people, culture and communities and the natural world. Yeah. So again, there's no mention. However, when we look at something like birth to five matters, which is a non-statutory guidance, that still does include technology. Yep. Um, from It starts at range three and works up to range six, but between ranges three to five... And roughly, got... I know they don't quite do it like this, but roughly range three age-wise, we're looking at... I can't remember the months off the top of I my head. I think they're just in it's the middle just, of the two-year-olds. Yeah, it's coming it? in, yeah, two's into, into preschool and then reception. Yeah. It's kind of where we're sat. Yeah. So it starts off with like action toys, toys with simple mechanisms, operating mechanical toys, wind-up toys, et cetera, et cetera. Moves to CD players, navigating touch capability devices such as mobile phones, tablets, um, understanding that information can be retrieved from digital devices, cause and effect toys, things like that. And then in range six, we 
jump to using simple programs on technology, mm-hmm. um, I age-appropriate ICT software, creating digital content, so making videos, being able yep. to take pictures, things like that. Um, having access, understanding, and being able to interact with a range of different technologies. And then finally, using the internet with adult supervision to find and retrieve information of interest to them. Right. Okay. So quite a big yeah. range, but that is non-statutory, we have to remember. Yeah. So all of that information is non-statutory. It's advisory or suggestions, exactly. guidelines yeah. type of thing, isn't it? Whereas the EYFS does not anymore state about technology. I think that's really interesting because, as we'll jump into, the future of technology, we don't really know what... The future of the world we like. do it. No. And that's, that's where I'd start with because I think, okay, now we've got an understanding that technology in terms of what you must do, must being sort of legally you're obliged to do it, this is what you have to provide children with educationally, there's no expectations of technology. Right, so we've established that. But as the world is going forward now, everyday life, we are surrounded by technology. And technology is a strange word in the sense that it can mean anything from, you know, something that was around in the early 1920s in terms of pulley mechanisms all the way to yeah. the latest technological advancements of, I don't know, AI. electric cars, AI, et cetera, et cetera. So I think when we talk about technology, predominantly within this podcast, we're probably going to focus more on software and and technological advancements in terms of like mobile phone devices, the internet, tablets. Yeah. I think when we talk about technology in this day and age, that generally tends to be what people are referring to. Does it? It's digital technology. Actually, talk about technology and things. Because you had an interesting conversation at Christmas with my younger sister, who's at university um, and doing essays and things. And you guys were talking about AI and... Chat GPT. Yeah, and how people are using that <laughs> yeah. to essentially create their own essays. Yeah, we, we, we did it on the weekend. We went around to my friend's house, didn't we, who's getting married soon. <laughs> and we created best man speeches using chat, GT, chat, P, chat GPT as well as um, wedding bells, didn't we? To be fair, the first sort of wedding bells weren't too bad. The first one was... I think a lot got a bit strange because it went too emotional. The second one gave me um, him from the Benidorm vibes, you know, the greasy barman. Yeah. <laughs> Much. But it's interesting because even obviously university is not early years, nowhere near, but it's still changing education from all aspects is technology and the way the advancements of things are are happening. Potentially, yeah, potentially. And this is what I want to get into. I don't want to go too much into it now before we actually get stuck into the podcast, but I just wanted to give an overview of sort of what we define as, as, as technology, what the UIFS says about technology, uh, and then bigger picture. The reason why I wanted to talk about it today is because Technology, whether we like it or not, whether we're on board with the latest advancements, we talked about AI there, ChatGPT, it's going to become more and more into life. Um, the children that we're educating today, who are in nursery today, when they're entering the workplace in 18, 20 years' time, we don't know what, what's going to look like. What is the world going to look like? You know, ChatGPT now, they may look at it and, and they will look at it back at it in 20 years' time and go, oh, that's rubbish, isn't it? Like the way that we look at the internet. 20 years ago, you go back to 2004. Oh, MSN. MSN, you had, uh, they were just bringing out MP3 players. Yeah. iPods were soon to become the big thing, you know, the big bulky things, the iPods yeah. and the little nanos we used to carry around. I mean, iPod Shuffle, I had one of them. If you just go jump back 20 years, it's crazy how much of an advancement we made. I mean, people were still walking around in 2004, I'm sure, unless I've 
mistaken this, but probably with Nokias, you know, like the old snake Nokias. Yeah, probably. They would have still had them around and we we're coming up to the age of... What a great game. <laughs> we we're coming up to the age of Blackberries and Motorola's and I'm not even sure tablets were a thing, were they? You sliced, slid it up and it had like a touch, some touch screen rather than buttons. And I think that was quite big. You were fancy. You were fancy. I didn't like that one. Um, and then we moved into the age of like tablets came out soon, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and in 2004, I think we'd just passed the old dial-up. You remember when you used to log into the internet? Right? Yeah, <laughs> I remember when I first did that as a child, I thought I broke the um, computer. <laughs> so the old dial-up. I, I would like to kick off talking about how we can use technology in the early years for our benefit, how it can be a positive learning partner for practitioners to use, for parents to use, yeah. and how we can utilize it most in, in, in an early year sphere that's age appropriate and also an advancement to the resources that we already have. So first and foremost, you think about light and using it as a light source. You know, you can get these, yeah. even those old fashioned projectors, you know, where it pitches it against the wall, oh, you yeah, see the shadows. Really, yeah, incredible things. Or you can get the slightly more expensive and modern day, um, what they call, you know, the tables with the light up, the light, light boxes, light boxes. Type things, yeah. Again, really good, easy way to do those is to get one of those, um, you know, the boxes that are see-through, plastic boxes. Yes. But your light's in it, top. sheet over the top, and you can easily create and be creative what you can do. Yeah. But again, a really good way of engaging and bringing technological things in and, and, and then using technology to advance what we're already providing. And then they can use their own creative freedom on top of that technological advancement to bring it in. I think it is thinking about it's more than just having children watching something on an iPad or a laptop or it's how can we use those technological items such as the projector. You don't have to plug something in. Yeah. Like you could do shadow play. You can use those light boxes to look at big and small and bring your maths into it, shapes and sizes and, and all sorts of different things. So it doesn't have to just be what you would typically say is technology of just watching something. Yeah, it's blending technology into our environments, into exactly. our curriculum yeah. That's nice without it taking it over yeah because my biggest point that i want to get across on this podcast is talking about how the skills that children need for the technological future if we're talking about coding if we're talking about design whatever it might be where the future is going the skills that they will require other than the technical qualifications of understanding code coding yeah. which we are not going to start teaching children under five years old because they do not yet have the the brain capabilities, the I functioning, the cognitive ability to actually learn those those principles. Yeah. But the principles of, if you look at the list of the uh, skills that employers most would like from their future generations, you're looking at the ability to work in teams and to be successful team players and to fit within the dynamics of a group of people to be able to work towards an end goal and function as, as a team, so to be able to communicate effectively to be able to deliver ideas and listen to others, to be even um, emotionally intelligent and be able to take on other people's yeah, emotions yeah, and deal yeah. with it. These are skills that we can teach children aside from technology. Of course, they can be brought into um, your environments through everyday things that you do, meal times and, and group times and reading stories, that things that just happen naturally throughout the day that aren't planned activities but they happen you can embed those yeah. you don't skills. need yeah. to use technologies to teach these social skills and then and what are the other skills that employers will be looking for you talk about motivation you want highly motivated individuals you talk about having high levels of concentration analytical skills problem solving yeah. skills reliability again but these all these things here analytical problem solving for example you don't need to use technology in the early years to be able to deliver and work on the 
embedding the foundations of those skills. Yeah, no, I agree. So I think we need to come away from a little bit of the idea of technology has to be used in the early years in order for them to be good at using technology when they're older. They don't necessarily correlate. Uh, yeah. They do, the skills there, but what they do need to become and what we do need to lay the foundations of, of them to be comfortable around the idea of technology so they understand yeah. it and, also and it's have part of life. Yeah. That technology exists and is around us. I think when we think about things like the wind-up toys or pulley toys or being able to, to manipulate cause and effect toys, things like that, that's also your fine motor and your concentration skills. Mm. So they are also linking to other areas of development for children as well. Yeah, yeah. and you could link and you could use technology at the moment and embed it across all areas of learning, yeah. whether it be literature. Thing. I mean, one of the greatest things I like, and you touched upon it earlier, is embedding an element of technology into everything in everyday activity. So let's talk about like helicopter stories, for example, and let's talk about literacy then. In helicopter stories, you can get the children to partake in creating the story, whether you do it in a way that goes around the room and everybody adds a little bit and you build up the story, or whether it's a child drawing a picture and then him demonstrating what his picture is and telling the story yeah. of like if he's drawn a dragon, what's the dragon's name and building up a story that way. Why not record it? Yeah. Record it and you've created a little TV show, haven't you, that the children can then sit and watch. And it doesn't have to be the most extravagant thing in the world, but just easy as click of a button, record the, 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 the story being told and they could watch it. And by doing that, you open up their eyes to the technology, to the technology yeah. that is existent in the world and they're living in the world. And the abilities of those tablets or whatever it is that you're using, what they are capable of, hmm. of doing. Yeah. Because then if they're entering the next stage of education, familiar with technology, familiar with the ideas and the principle of it, they can then develop further, further skills. And then eventually when their cognitive abilities have got to the stage where they can, they can harness it and utilise it, then, then we'll get to that point. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's what I wanted to kick off with. We're talking about the advancements of technology and how we can use it. So that's the concept of like digital storytelling. Yeah. You've then also got one of the other things I always preach on is utilising one of our settings, actually, a few, most of our settings now, actually, we've got projectors, haven't we? And you can hook the projector up to a laptop. Yep. You display it on the on the wall, a blank wall, and you can go anywhere in the world these days. Yeah. All you need to do is type into YouTube, 4K walking, walk, tour. walking tour of Mumbai, and you can take the children into the city centre of Mumbai. Yeah. Now, their concentration span will last a few minutes, I'm sure, <laughs> until someone gets up and decides to leave the room or walk off and play with something else. <laughs> But what I'm trying to say is you can capture uh, the concepts of understanding the world and different cultures and stuff really, really, really easy through like these walking tours. And they're yeah. completely safe. The videos on YouTube, you can even download them off YouTube, I think, nowadays. Probably, or you can yeah. get them from it. Whereas you can control that. And you can take them to any parts of the world. You don't just have to talk about it and, and, and try and get other cultures and ethnicities through just talking about it or putting pictures up on the wall these days. You can actually go and visit. I think it's also bringing those walking tours in for like when a child's been on holiday yeah, and they've been to, I don't know, they've been to somewhere in Spain. Careful though, if they go to like Benidorm and stuff, you start typing in tours walking around Benidorm, don't pick the evening yeah, ones. you have to um, check, check where they've been. But um, you could find a walking tour that they can then relate back to. They saw that with mum and dad or whoever they've been on holiday with and... It was a, it's a lovely way to start that communication and talking and sharing that experience yeah. with others. Some children might not remember all the details, but showing them a video of where they've been and asking if they remember certain parts is a lovely way to, Absolutely. to do and that. It, 
And I think sometimes people are scared because it can sound like a bit of a cop-out just sticking the kids in front of a YouTube video. In essence, could sound like a bit of a cop-out. Well, it is if there's nobody there interacting there is, with yes. them and it's, it is just watching Paw Patrol or Peppa Pig. That's the difference. <laughs> well, what an incredible way to open up their minds and well, and the environments that we have. And it might be something we just do for a few minutes. Absolutely. And then we go off on our own way and then we put the music on of, I don't know, maybe take them to Romania and you put the music on in the, in the afternoon of Romanian music and... And that, if that's where you've got a collection of children from, maybe, or you want to introduce them into that culture, whatever it, the reasoning behind it might be. Yeah. But what another fantastic way of, of utilising technology and bringing it into, into the world we live in. And then you've also got the ideas of bringing whiteboards in and smart boards in. I remember smart boards in primary school. Oh my goodness, what a game changer. And I do distinctly remember my primary school always used to get broken into and the projectors and the whiteboards stolen. Really? Yeah, that happened a couple of times. I do remember that. <laughs> A vivid memory of mine. But I do remember them being like, you could, they had the different coloured pens and you'd have to tap the pen of which you were using. And it was really, it could be like it is in the name, interactive. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone could get involved with that technology and you'd put, who's going to ca- calibrate the board in the morning? Yes, yes, So yes, someone yes. would go and calibrate the board by pressing all the buttons. And, and yeah, I think that was a lovely way to, it's a great way to introduce. It's just technology. embedding it into their lives, the day-to-day atmosphere of their lives, isn't it? And um Again, you've got Alexa's do something similar, you know, shout out to Alexa and it'll oh, play whatever you Alexa, want them to play. Oh, baby shark, but, every time. But again, it seems like nothing, but they're getting used to um, communicating and, and utilising AI as well, because that is technically an AI base that we use it in because it's recognised. It, um, it is incredible how quickly children pick up on what the Alexa's doing and how easy it is to connect her to play whatever they want. And there are some fantastic songs on... Um, on the Alexa, and I was in one of our settings and it was the the Floor is Lava game. I didn't even know that the Floor is Lava, Lava had a song, and it's so good. And then there's the colour song, and it says, if you're, like, if you're wearing red, jump. So everyone wearing red has to yeah, jump, yeah. and then everyone sits down and waits for the next one. So it's also, it's those songs that are actually connecting with so many different areas of learning as well, and yeah. I thought it was, I had a great time. I mean, like you say, they learn it fast, but it's because they're at that moment that sensitive period in life where their brain is developing these neurological connections and they are starting to form the structures of their brain. And whilst this is taking place, like I say, if we can embed the learning skills and the functional cognitive skills they're going to need for later life, whilst also embedding a familiarity with the basic concepts of AI and technology, yeah, we're doing our job. They don't have to understand how it works. They just have to understand the principles with it and become comfortable yeah. with using it in a, in, a, in, a, in a productive and safe manner. Yeah, no, I agree. So as we're talking about using it in a safe manner, shall we move on to safeguarding? Yeah. This is a big one. I think it's a worry for most parents and educators in general. Um, and actually, one of our settings shared with the rest of our management team a really good video on online and keeping children safe in early years online. Um, She used a lot of sign language as well, so it was a really inclusive video, and I think we can share the link to it because sometimes we think that technology and safeguarding and online and grooming, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't happen in early years, but actually we can never be too sure. And the message behind this video was encouraging children to tell an adult if they found something scary online, basically. Yeah. And I think it is just embedding that 
open communication with children about what they're watching and how they're watching it and why they're watching it. Um, Kids YouTube is great because it is, I would like to think it's sort of censored. Censored, is that the right word to say? Yeah. Like they go through it and it's yeah. monetizing things. Yeah. Um, but you just don't, you just don't know. Can that um, be too sure? No. So I think it's in, it's important for parents and carers and educators to understand how important safeguarding children online and grin is part of our statutory framework. It's something we, we you should be asked about. And especially for parents, because it's something parents having to figure out because when our generation was growing up, I mean, we we're both in our late twenties. When, 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 our, when people <laughs> were growing up, um, don't put me in that category. You're 26. You You'll be 27 in a few weeks' time. You're late. How old you will be in a few weeks' time? Well, I'm no longer be in my late 20s. No, you won't. <laughs> um, no, but when we were growing up, technology sort of moved and came with us. So, like when yeah. I when I was three, four years old, te- the internet wasn't really a thing that you maybe used it for work purposes. Yeah. There was Parents the basic. At the same time, we were. Learning. There was the basic yeah. of of Microsoft out there. Like, I'm sure there's some examples what would make me wrong, but in general, it wasn't a dangerous place because children didn't really access the internet exactly. and they didn't really go anywhere near it. It wasn't as mainstream as it Chat now, rooms it? sort of began to crop up about that time. But again, it'd be weird if a five-year-old was accessing it. Whereas nowadays, five-year-olds always seem to have iPads connected to them. Well, it's not even that. It's on a parent's phone. Yeah. They're watching something and a message pops yep. up. Yeah, yeah. Very easy for them to click on it. I mean, 99% of them know to just swipe it away. But, which is in, it's just in itself, isn't it? It shows how technology has moved. But you just don't know. You don't know what advert you're going to get. Email's going to come through that could pop up on your no. phone and your child clicks on it and they are exposed to all yeah. sorts. Well, because they've been exposed to it from an early age now, we're getting children who, by the time they're six or seven, are incredibly savvy, I guess is one word of it, but yeah. they're adapt, they have an understanding of it, which is great. But then as, at the same time, then we have to be aware of what the dangers are and what the pitfalls are yeah. of that. And we have to grasp that because when we were that age, we didn't have that understanding of technology. One, because it wasn't actually a, a vehicle like it is now. And two, we didn't have that understanding of it. So I think this conversation flips across two domains. We're talking earlier settings and what we have to do to protect and safeguard children. And then the home environment. Out in the real world. And out in the real world. And the parents have it way tougher because oh yeah, you suddenly have more risk involved. Whereas in the early years setting, it's ensuring that we are following our safeguarding policy. I mean, recently they've introduced the technology uh, watches, haven't they? Wearable technology. And they're obviously starting to clamp down on, or they're at least just showing and having you know, awareness of the risks that they pose. So, and technology ones, technology, wearable technology, sorry, and, te- and watches are always a difficult one, aren't they? Because people want to wear them. They want to track their steps, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, there is an inherent risk and it, and it comes down it's, to, oh, you can trust me, I'll deconnect it from my phone. And, you know, of all the people who work in early years, the millions will, but there's that one or two who won't and the risk then that poses. Exactly. And it's so much safer just to be like, uh-uh, no, no one's allowed it than to potentially have that one or two. Exactly. Will and then horrible. you feel like, I know I could trust, like you say, my staff, yeah. I, I could trust them, but what if I can't? And it's not even the depth of grooming or something horrific that could happen. We we could be taught. Yeah, you could have had a really shit argument with your boyfriend last night, and you're emotionally invested in it, and you want to see what he's saying because you're checking your watch, and then that child does something while you're checking your watch, and it's that distraction. Yeah. But you, that in, in normal circumstances, you would have caught and you would have spotted it because you would have been on it because yeah. you're good at your job. 
and you always would be, and you wouldn't normally look at your phone, but this is just that once, that one scenario. Exactly. And all it takes is that one scenario. Whereas if that watch wasn't on you, either your manager would make an assessment whether you should be in work because yeah, you're mostly sure. in the right place, yeah. or two, you wouldn't have that distraction. So I think that's the scope it opens up. And when we're talking about safeguarding, protecting children and bringing technology in, it's not all about the dangers of them being groomed and stuff like that. There's other things like then we just mentioned that present a risk. Of um, and then it's obviously making sure that any devices you bring in, they're being wiped, they're not capturing images, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think as long as you've risk assessed all the pieces of equipment have that you, you have on. Your, yeah. It's again, following your own policies yeah. and procedures. And it, it comes down to that. If you're doing what your policies say, then you're not wrong. Mm. But are your policies correct in what they're saying? Especially with something like technology, because like we've said, it's moving on all the time. Mm -hmm. If your technological policies haven't been touched in five years, probably outdated. Yeah. Because that's how the speed of things and how fast it's moving. Um, and then working with parents. And then let's then talk about the other domain of parents through parent partnership that we're talking about how much should your child use in technology, you know, how much access do they have. And this isn't a bad thing. A child having access to an iPad doesn't no. inherently make people bad parents. Far, far, far from it. No, it does not. Um, but it's understanding how much they're using because some children won't have access to iPads. They won't have access to technology at home, whether because parents decided they don't want them to or whether financially they can't afford to have an iPad lying around the house, especially an iPad that a child can then freely just pick up and use. Yeah. So then we have to put more provision in to help, like I say, they don't have to be experts in using an iPad, but be familiar with its existence and maybe then we incorporate it more within our curriculum over this next period because we know we have some children in the room who don't access it at home. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So let's prioritise making, like I said earlier, these stories, using something, filming them and introduce them to it more and more and more. Yeah, no, I agree. And then we've yeah. got down about um, balancing that screen time, like you've said, the impacts and stuff. Um, those impacts on a healthy sleep routine and physical health. My latest episode that I've just filmed will probably come out in February time, won't it, or March? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Oh, about physical um Ex physical education and Philip physical development is what I'm trying to say. The words just absolutely botching out words. Physical development um, about those activities and since COVID, how children have done more sedentary yeah. activities yeah. and and being still and not moving their bodies. So it's about having that balance of yes, we need calming times and your Alexas can play music for sleep time and white noise is fantastic for babies, but. Are we getting the right balance for a good, healthy sleep and physical exercise as as well? It's really difficult, isn't it? Because like in, in, in anything in life, advancements somewhere will bring pitfalls somewhere else. And advancements of technology and what it's bringing to society and, and, and our entire race is incredible. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll allow us to do things that we never dreamed possible and go off into other planets and do things and develop ben and help the planet. Ben wants to go and live on another planet. And I don't know if it's something I'm doing. He wants to leave me and go live on another planet. But you're so excited about it. No, because as... If you get the right, opportunity, we're, we're, why would you say no? We're going off board. I don't want to go and live on Mars, Ben. But our planet, we know, has a infinite, a non-infinite timeline. So like it'll only be around for a period of time. And that, that might be a mind-blowingly long time for us in terms of think of millions of years that this planet will be around. Yeah. But at some point, the planet Earth will be inhabitable. It's it's an absolute fact. There's not there's not an argument about that. At some point, planet Earth won't be able to live on. So I'm hoping I'll have to worry about that. If we want to expand <laughs> as, uh, and, and go, and the other thing that I always think is scary is, this is so off topic now. <laughs> the Technology other thing, into the other space. <laughs> the, the only thing that's scary is, imagine if we are the only things 
in this whole galaxy, like in, in our in our whole understanding of what the universe is. Imagine if we are the only things that have the capacity to understand its existence and we die out. Well, like I said, I don't think so I'll be around to deal with so it. So I almost think we have this onus of responsibility to ensure that doesn't happen. I.e. then, let's get back to technology. We have the responsibility to cultivate and create technology that makes Blows us mind, multi-planetary as a species. Anyway, regardless, let's get back on the topic. Sorry. Um, we then, I can't remember what I was talking about. Physical health and sleep. Yes, that's what I was saying. We <laughs> then, we're living on Mars. We then end up in a difficult place, don't we? We've got this brilliant, incredible potential of technology and the excitement of it. But then it's about balancing it out of, okay, then we see massive declines in physical activity because instead of actually going out and playing football and doing sport and playing outside, we're actually sat playing PlayStation. Okay, it's not inherently bad playing the PlayStation. You can still socialise because all your friends are hooked up on it. Yeah. You're chatting away, you're doing things. So it's not as evil as someone who can often be portrayed, but then it's about time and constraint around it. If you're sat there for eight hours and then it's eating into your sleep pattern, you're then going to school because inherently we're moving away from early years here when we talk about gaming. You're then going to school and you're not focused because your body's tired. You've not got the right nutrition going into it. Like it can become a slippery path, yeah. can't it? And it can have yeah. detrimental effects. But I think that that onus then comes on us as a society and as parents to educate children around. Look, you can have too much of a good thing, and it's the same with food. You know, if you eat too much cake and this you have too much of a good thing. Technology is the same thing. Yeah. You can have too much of it and it's great, but if you do it for eight hours a day, the positive of it then wears off, it declines, it's not it's really... really interesting, isn't it? Because I struggle to fall asleep in silence. Yeah. So I use technology as a voice or a music or something to fall asleep, whereas you're the opposite. You can't fall asleep with people... Talking or noise or anything like that. Who was that. it? Like, I came to bed last night and had some bloke chatting about. That was James like, Child. Foundation on. I was like, mate, you've got a beard. Like, what's really going to be a nightmare? Um, but I really struggle to go to sleep in. So always have, always have growing up. I would put my TV on and put it on sleep mode for an hour and I'd be asleep and then it would just turn itself off. But it's interesting because we say about white noise for babies. That is still technology helping them and the noise helping them to go to sleep. I mean, you could put your hoover on as white noise yeah. because it's the same It's the same thing. But what is it that... I don't know why that's a thing or why I have to sleep with noise, but it is something that technology supports my sleep with rather than hmm. hinders. It's an advantage. It's, yeah. I think when people talk about sleep and the negative effect, it, it's, it's all to do with not necessarily technology itself, it's to do with stimulating the brain. That's what I mean, yeah. Colours. So is and, that what yeah. we're the difference is? Yeah. Because, but I could fall asleep to the telly or a YouTube video, that's still colours and sounds and things. Yeah, but you're using it, you're, you're getting your body into a relaxed state. It's not the same as being like having to, Think and it's the yeah. level of concentration as much as anything, yeah. as much as the sensory um, output. It's that level of concentration. If you're an 18 year old, 18 year old, if you're an 8, 10, 12, 14 year old, whatever it might be, online shooting people with your friends, it takes an incredible level of concentration to control it, to think what you're be. doing. Yeah. Like it's that's more than just to be in sat watching EastEnders. Like there's a different level yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where we, it's preparing. You, you can't win, you can't yeah. lose because. Technology is such a benefit to us as a society. We use it daily and it can be fantastic. 
But it's also then looking at, like you said, the pitfalls. Are we going to educate children from a young age as to what technology is doing to their brain and how they can maneuver yeah. life around it? And that's the element then of, of that's, that's gaming, that's stimulation, that's the f- detrimental effect it can have on, let's say, sleep. But then you've also got the detrimental effects of socialization and that aspect of it. And I remember, I, I vividly remember, because when I was growing up, Game Boy started to become a thing. And I was obsessed with Pokemon and playing my Game Boy. Remember when you found your old one? <laughs> we found it. Ben was like, oh my God. And I was always used to be obsessed with that. And then, um, but I always remember my mum had a really strict thing of like, if we're at the dinner table eating. And I especially remember this around, because we used to go on, um, on the summer holiday to Tenerife every year because my parents had a timeshare back when they were things. And uh, we used to go the same week every year and we went to Tenerife. And then whenever we'd go out for dinner, I just knew I wasn't allowed to play it at the dinner table yeah. or at the very least until we finished eating and then my parents would chat if we'd friends with this blah, blah, then I could play it. And I always remember having, having that structure around yeah. that access of technology and I still think to this day it, that's the best way to have it if you've got that structure. As soon as you lose that structure and the child becomes dependent on it to access it, yeah. you, see, you, see, you do see it out and about all the time and I get it, parenting's hard and we're not parents at this time and so... To sit and cast assertions and go back to us in a few years. Yeah, and I I get it. I do get it. Sometimes you just want a bit of peace and quiet. Have the bloody iPad. But I think I'm talking about generally all the time and creating patterns of behaviour and things. I just I I think there's a fear in wider society that we become so technological we lose the social side of being a human being, and the social side of being a human being is so important. It's um, it's like you said about being like social. I remember growing up, me, my mum, and my sister would sit together around the table to eat meals. Yeah, that was just a given. And there was um, and I and we talk about our days, and it, even from a really really young age, I remember that um, being quite an important part of of the day. Um, and even now, me and you. We sit at the table yeah. every night to have dinner. We don't sit yeah. in the lounge. We don't do that. We sit together most of the time, unless one of us is out or whatever. But we, and even if you're not there, I still sit at the table to eat my dinner. No, because I've always done, yeah. it, it doesn't, it's part of like having that routine and it is a social part of the day to chat things through. I mean, we spend most days together anyway, but we don't know what each other's been doing all day. So uh, I think it's really important that children from a young age, and that's why mealtimes at early years settings and things are so important because it does take that, it is social, so you don't need technology to impact I think, well, that. I think one of the best ways to look at it, if as human beings we're okay and we accept the premise that human beings are naturally social beings, yeah. we, we require socialness. We need family around us and people around us. Of course, our brains are wired like that because our brains want us to naturally be social human beings because the most important thing humans do and what we're all driven to do is procreate and create new human beings. Yeah. That's how our brains have been functioning why it's for the survival of human beings. It's, it's, it's innate. So if that's the case and we like to live together, we like to live in big homes, we look at our houses, we're all so close to each other. Like yeah. we feel naturally comfortable being around other human beings. Of course, that I'm, I'm casting a massive wide dissertion. Some people aren't comfortable in wide to be. I completely appreciate that. There are conditions um, there, there's people who don't enjoy that. I'm like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I'm talking about the billions of people who exist and general, yeah, yeah. generalizing. So if we are naturally social human beings, the threat of technology is that it, 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 it takes away that socialness. 
Does that make sense? So yeah, it's yeah. morphing us. It's changing us as human beings. That's the, I think, personally for me, it's greatest, it's greatest threat. So when we're talking about children in early years, if they're, the benefit they get from technology is that they just gain an understanding of it, they become familiar with it, they become comfortable around it, they don't need the actual practical skills of it yet until they've developed more cognitively. Yeah. Why put them into that area of risk and danger that they could lose the element of socialization? They yeah. could, at the end of the day, we wanted to turn children out of early years happy, um, well-developed in terms of like um, basic communication skills. And we want them to be social. We want them to be happy. We want them to be curious. We want them to be investigative. We want them to be motivated. We want them to have the ability to concentrate. We want all these things of, yeah. of just generally happy children who are excited to learn. We don't need them to have maths and iPad. No. At this moment in time. No. But yeah. Because the benefit does not weigh the risk of it. Because if you get a child that's just on an iPad, that's all they know, they're motivated by this screen, not by the conversation with the other little boy about the beetle that they found in the garden. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you think, well, actually, what's the benefit of him being motivated by this iPad? Because he's going to use an iPad when he's 20. Well, yeah, but how many other kids do you know nowadays who can't use an iPad in their 20, 21, 22-year-old because they weren't given one before they were four? Just doesn't happen. No. No, 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 because it's in and around you constantly no. as you grow up. Because so, the skills he needs yeah. to use the iPad, the foundational skills we're still presenting children at that age. Yeah, and it's like you said about being outdoors and that excitement of finding the beetle can then be used. You can talk about the fact that why don't we have a look there you go. online to see what other beetles look like. But you've done that physical, actual finding yep, and go. then you're learning that actually the information that you, the extra information you need can be sought out somewhere else. And that's where we get to the idea, the overall conclusion that technology in the early years should be a a, 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 a tool for the practitioner to scaffold and further Yeah, learn. it should be an enhancement of your activities in your day-to-day. -day. It shouldn't be the plan I agree. of the day. And you can use that with, let's let's take even in um, forest school. So let's say you go to forest school or you go out into your garden and you find a plant. What's the name of this plant? What is it? Yeah. Do you know what? The phones these days are the apps they've got in terms of being able to access. Yeah, yeah. And even if you don't have phones inside your setting, you could look that up the next, that evening and print it off or whatever well, it might be. And share it with parents. Yes, yeah, and share it with parents. Yep. That's what we, that use that technology to enhance what we've done today. Yep. Bring it back and ask the children, then we can have a conversation that, about it. That's yep. another area we didn't touch upon. Um, Parent partnership and how technology is involved yeah. that, isn't it? Because I remember once upon a time when um, nurseries used to do just books. Remember the little book you used yeah, to fill out yeah. a book, didn't you? You give hard book back and that was what the child's done in the day. Whereas nowadays it's it's companies like Family and, and other, there are other providers <laughs> where you can, and you can access the app and, and you've got an instant communication yeah, with, yeah. with mum, dad, uh, carer, whoever it might be. And you can share that information. I think, yeah, like to summarise it up, it is that, Technology is a given in our society. We are, it's the inevitable. We're going to come across it. Children are going to come across it. They're going to be faced with it. But in our early years, how much do we need to be exposing children to and using technology like you, we've just literally just said mm. as an enhancement to learning rather than a they must learn yeah. this way? I think, I think my passing words and my advice to anybody when they talk about technology is don't be scared of it. Embrace it in the early years, embrace what it can provide us. But at the same time, at this early stage, when we're talking about children, we're talking about creating the foundations of what they're going to be as an adult, as a human being. Let's focus on the foundational principles. And for me, the foundational principles are 
around the ideas of of cognitive skills, um, social skills, okay. motivation, things like that. And I think that's where our focus would be. If we can use technology then as a tool to advance all those things, then I'm all on board. Yeah, no, I agree. But don't get worked up to the extent where you feel like you're having to deliver technology in terms of deliver it that every two, three-year-old has an iPad accessible so they can use it. There's, there's not a need for it, in my opinion. No, I agree. I think it's they don't need to be using these apps that are learning apps every single day. Yeah. One thing we don't need. One thing I personally don't think as a society you need to worry about is children being adequate users of technology. If anything's shown us in the last 20 years, children will pick it up the fastest and they'll develop with it and 100%. run with it the fastest. They're, they are the generation that we need to worry about less. If you want to worry about anybody being able to use technology, worry about your grandparents, worry the about... the generation. But it's true, though. I have to say, my granddad's getting pretty savvy on his, on his laptop, isn't but, it right? But in this day and age, you do quite a lot of things and me and you would naturally just do something. You think, bloody hell, if your granddad had to do that, he would really struggle. It's yeah. something really yeah, important. Yeah. And I think, uh, so that's what I'm saying. So even things like booking doctor's appointments yeah. online now, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. an adaption that they've had to to work on. And We're assuming yeah. people over their 70s can use their phones. I mean, look, I mean, this is such a small thing, but I'm a season ticket holder at Leeds United and they turned all season tickets. We used to have a card, you turn it with your card, scan it and into the stadium you went. Nowadays, it's on your Apple wallet. And yeah. I remember the big furore that happened around anybody 70, 80 years old We've been going to watch Leeds for their entire lives. My, my, my dad's quite savvy when it comes to technology, yeah. but even that went over the top of his head. If I hadn't been around to support him and help him with it, I don't know what he would have done. He <laughs> stood outside. Stood outside, flashing his Apple Watch, trying to use his credit card yeah. to get in. Somebody let me in! <laughs> but I think that's what I'm saying. So be worried about that generation in terms of their adaptability and the flexibility yeah. and ability to use technology for important services in, 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 in life. Um, is your Leeds United season ticket an important service? No, but, <laughs> but it is for some people. You know, that is that is, no. that is an important part of life. Um, and I think that's what I'm getting at more yeah. than worrying about the children being able to access it. I don't no, think I agree. that needs to be our priority and our main focus. I think that our focus needs to be inducing, introducing them to it so they grow up in an environment where it's around them. The safeguarding element of it too should make sure that we're in even talking to children about the risk of online. I, yeah, I think that's yeah. something if you wanted to start that early, Okay, in your preschool room, talk about the risks of online and the need to it's talk to mummy and daddy or the carers about what the risks are and, and incorporate stage danger, making sure that we're talking about it. Not just the, 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 I remember when we were young, it was always don't accept sweets or strangers and things like that. Yeah. There is more to be spoken about now. And I think primary schools especially, there needs to be a big weight on making sure children understand the dangers and where the dangers exist and how they exist online and, yeah. and, and, and ensuring that they're ready for that. Um, because you, you can try and shield children away from it. You can put things on their tablets that you can monitor what they're doing and watch them yeah. as if, but if they're more savvy and grow to be more savvy than we are and they're quicker on because they're technologically yeah, aware. all down easily, yeah. Yeah, I think that's just what we've got to be aware of. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think we've covered technology. I think so. I think we've done an all right if job. If anyone else has got any opinions on technology yeah, in the early years, yeah. what you're doing, how you're incorporating it to enhance learning, let us know. We'd love to read what other people are doing. Yeah. And it's I mean, this was a very opinion-heavy podcast. It's just my thoughts, my ideas. People have other ideas. Uh, be interested to hear what they say and have yeah. to say. And maybe I'll wrong about something. And let's have a chat about it in the comments. And you know, let us know. Yeah, yes, yeah, I agree. So that's us. We hope you have a fabulous week. Um, and then we will see you for episode eleven next week. We will do. Yep. Thank Bye, you guys. so much for listening. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.